Raise 1000 Voices is the podcast on a mission to raise the voices of the clever, creative, and courageous women across the world. I am your host, Jacqueline Nagel, and I invite you to join me in conversations with women who will inspire and empower you as we explore just how to lift our levels of self-trust, to reclaim the narrative, and to use our voice to go after exactly what we want, doing it with strength, power, and grace. Welcome to Raise 1000 Voices, the podcast. I am your host, Jacqueline Nagel, and more than that, I hope to become the person behind your future success. Raise 1000 Voices anchors the work I do every day and have done in one way or another for a little over 20 years now, teaching men and women how to be seen, heard, and remembered. In early 2022, as we all started to re-emerge into a post-pandemic world, my own world of work shifted. I realized delivering my first live workshop to women investing in their skills it takes to speak with strength, power, and grace, that my work was no longer with the general masses. That the work I have done, the obsession with messaging and languaging and positioning through the spoken word, the way we shape our stories, and how we use these skills to go after exactly what we want, we're needed by women and for women like never before. Whenever I stop, breathe, and look at the bigger world, I see what we all see, that we live in an environment where cancel culture is edging towards becoming a societal norm, that intimidation of others or power over, as Brené Brown has defined it, is escalating. And in parts of the world, all over the world, it sometimes feels as if women's rights are regressing by decades. All things that can make us question the power of our own voice. And in a world sometimes appearing to want to diminish our voices, the irony is that the only way to halt the sweeping waves that threaten to drown our voices is to find our voices, to speak to strength, power and grace, to what we know to be true, to be heard, seen and remembered. And we know this, we all know this is true, yet still we hesitate. Because beyond knowing that we must raise our voices, we have to know how. What has truly captured my attention the last six months in choosing to support women in finding their voice is the greatest threat to the strength of our voice is the power of our internal voice. Every day, I have been immersed in conversations that both break my heart and fill me with hope when it comes to the power in a woman's voice. And these are conversations I want to have more intentionally, where together with my guests, we explore my growing conviction that the strength of our outer voice will never outstrip our levels of self-trust. Driven by our inner voice, our level of self-trust has a stronghold in the power or not of our outer voices. I want to explore the power of story and language and the importance of women speaking into their truth and out against what matters. Some of our conversations, our episodes, will just be incredible conversations with women who have found and sometimes always known their own voice, who have incredible insights and wisdom to share with all of us. Some will go deeper in strategies and tactics and frameworks that quite literally will strengthen the power of your voice and the spoken word across speaking, pitching, selling, negotiating, or just simply sinking into a deeper understanding of what it takes to communicate well. Some will reveal just how we can embrace and dance with our inner voice, the way we think, 
the language we use, the stories we choose. But all will hold something you can use, something that shifts your thinking, that creates a question, and that will instill just a little more belief that you deserve to raise your voice and get exactly what you want. The most interesting thing about the concept of using our words to get what we want was crystallized by my eldest son when he was 15. Every year at Easter, a group of families would camp together, and this particular year was on Great Keppel Island off the Queensland coast in Australia. Late one afternoon, we were all walking the beach as the sun set, almost worn out from a full day in the water, the surf, the salt, the sun, and I noticed one of the fathers drop back a little and walk with Aidan, asking him to speak to Katie, his daughter, because she needed to improve her English results at school. Let me remind you, we're on an Easter camping weekend on a tropical island. I was half amused and half what on earth. But in the next few minutes, Aidan caught up to Katie and his approach was as fascinating as it was fast. And his approach was as fascinating as it was fast. He literally said, Katie, you're a girl, aren't you? Cue sideways look from Katie and awkward laughter. And she responded with, ah, uh, yes. Aidan's next question was, do you need to get whatever you want when you grow up? By this stage, Katie was laughing a lot. And she said, of course I do. And he went straight to it. Well, your dad told me you need to do better in English. So if you want to make sure you always get what you want when you get older, then you should get better at English because you're going to have to know how to use your words to get what you want. That moment, hearing my son articulate so well just why words matter has never left me and became one of the constant touchstones of my work ever since. But never did I imagine how powerfully relevant it would become in my work now, because words do matter. Beyond anything I could have comprehended on that long, white, beautiful beach blazing in orange mirages as a sunset, what became the touchstone of much of my work has now also become the keys to unlocking the whole, the most dangerous version of our inner voice, that inner critic, has on the strength of our outer voice. And yet it whispers of a ghost I should know well. A self-labeled introvert with a huge distrust of the world as I moved from my teenage years to being a young adult, I relied on the power of my work to both make me invisible as a surprisingly clever young woman who was ridiculously good at any job she took on and to negate the need to speak up or speak out. My work was literally my voice. In my early 30s, in the year 2001, I took over a family-owned recruitment business from my mother, and at the time of the handover cocktail party, there was actually a book running on how long the business would last with Margaret's daughter at the wheel. Now, whilst most people get offended, for me, even though I was trained by one of the best in the business before rejoining my mother's business, for me, it provided the perfect cover story. Because what most people didn't understand was that I was an introvert. My mother, the opposite. She had always been the face of the business. She was speaking at events all the time. She was not just the face. She was the voice of the business. So when this happened, instead of being dismayed and distraught, I realized I had the perfect cover story. I concocted a brief and a story that was all about the fact that this business would never again be about one face and one voice. And in that, I managed to field every single request for speaking for almost three years by teaching my consulting team and my staff how to speak for me the way that they should speak because I'd been raised by a mother who spoke. And in doing so, I was actually able to very, very elegantly 
and very, very diligently move all my team into speaking instead of me in the business. That cocktail party gave me the perfect cover story and it worked beautifully until as a committee member on the Australian Institute of Management for the Regional Management Excellence Awards in 2004, I think it was, I suddenly was in the crosshairs of having to speak. The keynote speaker had missed her flight from Sydney. I was in my happy place on the registration desk and the introverts out there will understand exactly what that means. And the president or the chair of the committee came racing towards me. He looked like the professor out of Back to the Future 2 with white hair streaming, high energy, racing towards the registration table, telling me that this woman had missed her flight. And I remember thinking, why do I need to know? And I asked that out loud and he said, well, you're going to have to speak. And I was like, but I don't speak. And he just, I'd been so successful in my cover story, he didn't accept that it was true. He laughed at me. My 2IC from that recruitment business was on the registration table with me. And I was literally trying to find a way out as she was losing it in laughter on the floor beside me. She knew I just got caught in the crosshairs between obligation and fear. So I realized that I was going to have to do this and I raced out of the room. And at the time I had worked under Andrew Banks and Jeff Morgan at Morgan and Banks, which was one of the largest recruitment companies in its era. And I thought, okay, leadership, leadership, leadership. So they were extraordinary leaders. So I found some of my best stories about them in leadership when I'd worked under them. And I was racing back in just with some dot points and thought, oh my goodness, I'm in regional Australia. I'm in regional Queensland. If I go in and talk about suits from the city, they're going to crucify me. So as I'm literally walking up to the stage, I think very quickly of a few stories about the local hero management heroes, the people who run our life-saving clubs, the people who run our PNC clubs, the people who who do the things in a volunteer basis, who are also exemplary leaders. And I talked about some of the people in our own community. Now, when I came off that stage, it was really interesting. I was approached to see if I could give the transcript over. And I was like, transcript? What transcript? Like, I don't have a transcript. But the other thing that happened that was quite extraordinary was I was asked to speak at three different events by the time I left that event that night. And the only way to describe what happened was I was like the shy, quiet teenager that discovers crack cocaine. And I would speak anywhere for anyone on anything at any time. Just give me a mic right? Brief me, give me a mic, let me rip. And I became really good at it. And there was two things that happened almost simultaneously. The first was that I realized that a business that was quite stable and we were very happy with it, it was already in the multi-million dollar turnover, was suddenly growing month on month for the first time in five or six years. I also realized if at the same time that I spoke, I put my consultants in the room, that wasn't just a little bit of a growth, that was a spike. I then also started to realize that whilst people enjoyed the experience of hearing me speak, they didn't necessarily remember what I said. So I could run into someone two or three weeks after an engagement. They would say, oh, I heard you at so-and-so. You're amazing. I always love hearing you speak. But they couldn't actually tell me what I'd spoken about. So my content wasn't landing. And I was actually really devastated with this. So I decided, and over the next two years, I spent more than six figures going in doing, I became obsessed with training in language, in speaking, in communicating, negotiating, mediating, training, workshops, anything I could find. And that obsession has actually never left me today. And what I found over time was that I was able to synthesize that into a way that worked for me, for someone who was naturally an introvert, and a way that I could actually teach others. I'd already been teaching others unconsciously as the newly 
appointed CEO, general manager of a family-owned multi-million dollar business to get myself out of having to speak. And so I've codified it. I've been able to instill it in hundreds of people in Australia and the US. And I, for that reason, am ever grateful because without these skills that I doubled down on, I would not be who or where I am now. I run at life. I have spectacular wins and even more spectacular fails. And I have no doubt at some point in this journey together, you'll hear about some of them. I have had to redefine and reclaim my identity more than once and find a way to show up in the arena when on my worst days, all I want to do is slide back into a cave and reclaim that space I inhabited as a young woman when my work spoke for me and I remained invisible. But I can't because the power that is instilled when you understand how to speak with conviction, the nuances in the language we use and the stories we shape, the ability to articulate what hurts and what lifts, what we should challenge and what we should celebrate, that power is simply breathtaking. Every single time I watch a woman, anyone, stand into the power of who they are and the voice they were meant to have in this world, I know that I can never walk this back, which is why I am so grateful that we live in the age of podcasts where I can share what I know, have experienced, and teach with women across the world through the eyes, words, and generosity, not just of me, but of the incredible women you're about to meet as my guests. Welcome to Raise 1000 Voices. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Raise 1000 Voices. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. And if you have, then I would love you to subscribe to and rate the show on your favorite platform. Our show notes, resources, and links to all our socials can be found at anygiventuesday.com.au forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to join a growing community of clever, creative, and courageous women who know that they want to be seen, heard, and remembered, then join us in our Facebook group, raise 1000 voices. Until we speak again, take care and remember you were born to raise your voice.